Hello and welcome to the Make Life Your Bitch podcast. It's your host, Brittany Alicia. Now, it's very rare for me to do an introduction before the actual introduction of the episode, but I really contemplated about whether or not I should air this episode um, today. And it was one that I questioned because it was so soon. Like I recorded this episode less than oh, 12 hours ago, less than eight hours ago. And it so I wondered, like, do I share this? And so the episode that's coming, um, this is a trigger warning, that it is a woman talking about how her husband passed away from suicide and the family that was left behind and what it's like to be a family member left behind in these situations. And I think for us, we need to remember that, you know, there is family left behind and as we're all going out there on social media and we're sharing our love for DJ Twitch remembering that there's family um, behind who is grieving and they're going through their own processes um, themselves right so um, I wanted to share that before the episode also if there's you know anyone who is struggling out there please make sure you reach out and I know that's something that um, everyone always says Right. But I know even with this episode, it really opened my eyes as someone who's contemplated suicide and attempted suicide in the past. Um, it was a very big eye opener for me, a reminder that like we do truly leave loved ones behind. And um, although, you know, there's that feeling of you have so much pain and you just want it to end. Um, I think this episode really helped like shine a light on, you know, we have so much more to live for. And, you know, just just an understanding of what that process is like after someone does pass away, the things that you don't even think of. So, like I said, this is your trigger warning. Um, But for those of you listening, um, I want to welcome you into this episode with open arms and lots of love. And, you know, um, just remember with this holiday season that there's a lot of people out there who are probably struggling in silence. Um, and to just be a little kinder. So with lots of love, um, here's the episode. Welcome to the Make Life Your Bitch podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Alicia. Greatness is a decision and your birthright. You deserve to love the woman looking back at you in the mirror. This show is for the purpose-driven female entrepreneur who is committed to only counting the time she gets back up. The woman who is ready to ignite the flame within find her voice, and use the power of her story to transform the lives of those around her. This is your weekly fuel to inspire you to action, where I'll be sharing inspirational stories, real talks with thought leaders and successful entrepreneurs from around the world, and provide you with actionable success strategies for creating a business you love. I'm a content marketing coach, and I'm committed to helping you as an online creator and entrepreneur wherever you are to turn your dreams into a reality to help you transform your messaging so you can create a genuine connection with your audience and grow your income online. You are far more powerful and stronger than you will ever imagine. We are the warriors. You were born for this. Let's make life your bitch. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Make Life Your Bitch podcast. I am Brittany Alicia, and today I have Shalane Waltz here with me, and she is a fellow Canadian, which is really exciting. Um, She is a real estate agent. She is a resilience coach, and she does public speaking, and I'm really going to let like her introduce yourself herself on, you know, what it is that she does public speaking on, because I think it's going to come 
much better from you than it is from me. And I also just want to point out she is a mom. So many of you know that I am a new mom. So I I really love that the women coming on are moms as well. So welcome. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, my name is Shalane Walls. I am a real estate agent in Alberta, in Red Deer, Alberta, for the past 18 years. I'm a mom of two, and I was also a foster parent for probably 22 years with children with disabilities. So um, I am just here to talk about resilience and all the different kind of hats that we as moms, business owners, uh, moms who work, moms who foster, mom, just moms in general. And um, like I said, all those different hats. And my biggest um, wow, when I realized how amazing we can be as women and moms is when um, sadly, we lost our my husband and my kid's dad to suicide. And you soon become aware of, again, all those hats you wear and how crazy life is and how busy it is. And you really had to be resilient every single moment of every single day. You know, you're at one second, have a, a crying kid or one second, they're acting their normal, regular self, you know, whatever that normal quote unquote is. And then there's you and you're trying to still be that mom and you're still trying to be that uh, co-worker or that friend or the housekeeper, the chauffeur, the chef, when sometimes all the while you just want to be laying in your bed crying or mm -hmm. just drinking wine or saying, screw the world, screw life. But you, you can, you, I find that you have to feel the emotion. You have to absorb it. You have to act on it and within it. And then you have to move on. Like, like I, you have to as quickly as you can, because there's so many people that need you. And then that just gets ready, you ready for the next hurdle or the next situation or the next cup of spilled milk. You really can't wallow in all of life's hurdles that come your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I like how you say, um, you know, move on. And I know some people are like, how do you move on from that? And it's not like, I mean, I would love your opinion on this. But for me, it's like, well, you don't move on and forget. But, you know, at the same time, like there's a life that we have to live. And, you know, it's, we do have to move forward. There's a great poem out there. I think it's called The Wave. I, I, I mean, I can't say for sure, but it talks about grief and um, feelings. They come in waves. So sometimes it's a tsunami and sometimes it's a tidal wave and sometimes it's just a little ripple. So in those moments, you just grab onto whatever shrapnel, every like piece of goodness in this case, any piece of positivity, anything that gets you through those moments, hold on to it tight and ride it out, ride out the wave till you get to calm water. Because like I said, there's going to be another one and it might be small, it might be big, but that's, that's what I found the best way to move on and move through life's challenges. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't mind me asking, like, what was that experience like, you know, from the day it happened and moving forward, like, I mean, I know that's a really big question, but I think it's important for our listeners. You know, it was one of those things we were talking about before as to how it affects a family, um, you know, and how, like how, you know, you're not, even though you leave, there's people who you leave behind. 
Yeah. It's uh so it's a day you'll never ever forget. It's a moment you'll never forget. I remember coming home and it was at our house. It happened in our garage. And so uh he he actually did hang himself in the garage. And so I remember looking and thinking, this is fake. Like it looks fake. It's not like it's seeing the movies kind of thing. Um so that's an image you'll never forget. And then Right from that step, like when I had to try and pick up the phone and call 911, I wasn't even able to make that call. I was like in this state of shock and I was froze. And then when the police do come, they kind of keep you hostage in your own house. Like, you know, they wouldn't let me leave my house. They wouldn't let anybody come in my house. And then you have neighbors texting you and calling you. So it's a whole bunch of things. But also at the same time, when I look back, I forgot so many things. It's like your brain, the superpower for forgets things it doesn't want to remember and then eventually over time you remember those things because people keep bringing it up and things are triggered but the change that comes with that especially a husband and a dad is astronomical like everything from you don't know if you should move anything in that room you don't know if you should what you should do with the clothing in my room or is it okay to you know change a picture on the wall is that you know getting rid of a memory or how my kids going to feel about that or like even today it's funny we're having this chat because today is his birthday and so and so that was even a thing do I make a post on Facebook well yeah my kids would need to and then then I talked to them because one's in college what are you doing to celebrate your dad today and so we're having those talks and Everything is, or you want to get into a new relationship, but you're like, is that okay? And then it's really, it was really hard to say those words, I love you to somebody else, because it was almost a feeling of guilt or cheating or, which it shouldn't be, but that was part of it. And then my kids say they're, they're afraid to forget their memories because, you know, one of my daughters was only 10. And so it was just a short period in her life with her dad. So that's a big thing that we have to cope with but you also don't want to wallow in the past because we need to remember the good enjoy the good but still move forward so we can grow Mm -hmm. yeah it's so like it's one of those things where my like coach mind is totally coming through right now um in the sense that um you know with you saying like her like is the fear that she could forget the memories. Yeah. Forget her dad. Yeah. Yeah. So why doesn't she try like doing some like audios of the memories and then she could like compile them all together? Well, funny story. She used to have a bunch of things on her phone, voicemails and stuff. And then she dropped her phone in the lake and she wasn't able to recover them. But thankfully we have a bunch of um, the old school video camera footage. Mm -hmm does have that so that's really nice and she one of my daughters the youngest one is not too she's kind of moving forward faster than my older daughter and so my older daughter she lives on her own and she has like a shrine of her dad and I'm like well where's my picture on the wall like do I have to pass away to like earn a (laughs) (laughs) but that's a way of keeping him around I think yeah I mean it's one of those things that I couldn't even imagine. And I know for myself, um, I've had those moments of like those thoughts, like growing up and stuff. 
And it was definitely one of those things where I know like on one end, people would say like, you have no idea who you would leave behind. And on the other side of things, and it's like, yeah, but I just had so much pain that it's like, I want it to stop. And, you know, it's, it's such a like thing between, pardon me. It's like a double-edged sword, right? It really is. And I think that's why it's so important that, you know, people do hear like, you know, these conversations because it's like reminding them that like, it's not a scary thing to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's so important. Even like when you were talking about um, like your mind blocking stuff out, it's like, for sure. Like that's, you know, it's like that form of PTSD where um, it blocks things off. And then all of a sudden they come back as triggers as these memories. And it's like floods of like, Oh my God, like, where did this come from? And I know for me, um, mine was based on abuse, but it was one of those things that I really had to, I had to sit down with someone and tell them the story start to finish. I'm like, I don't need you to like say anything. I just need to tell my story start to finish. And you know, because I found I was protecting other people. Um, and so it's like, I would drop a little information and I would see their response. And I was like, okay, so, um, you know, I didn't want to hurt other people based on like my own experience. So have you ever experienced anything like that? Um, you know, with interacting with other people and stuff? My whole thing about counseling, everybody will say, you need to go to counseling. You need someone to talk to. And I would have that. I'm like, I don't want you with your clipboard writing down what I'm saying and then prescribing me some medication or doing the intake, um, whatever the process is to make sure I find the right counselor. I don't want to do that 10, 15, 20 times till I find the right one. I was more comfortable talking with my friends, but they were saying, they were saying, well, Shalane, we have this biased opinion like this like we're part of your world so maybe we're not going to help you but for me I just didn't want the clipboard and like what you were saying and then the triggers I didn't even know realize what that really meant until in this situation and you're just going about day's life and all of a sudden something makes you cry your eyes out like for instance I remember the first Christmas he passed in July so we Christmas came and I had to put up the Christmas lights and deal with Christmas lights and something so small, but I remember being at Canadian Tire because I needed new Christmas lights because they were all burnt out. And then I'm like, I don't even know which ones are for inside and outside. Even <laughs> all the while it says it on the box, but like my mind just like, was like, oh no, this is something we used to do as family. And then there's the crying and there's the, you know, the ugly crying and yeah. Mm-hmm. Triggers were just forever for a while. Yeah. And I mean, it's, okay to feel our feelings right it's like give ourselves can we like give ourselves all a permission for a hot minute to like feel our feelings and I don't know if you've ever been one of those people where you know people I I know for myself people would say to me you're always so positive but it was almost to a fault and it was like sometimes I just needed to let those feelings to flow through me and not like have a thought come up and be like okay stop And then, because I was just storing it in my body then. And eventually it was going to come out. I I don't know, like maybe some people who can relate, probably lots of women. You put on a sappy song and you just are ugly crying in the bathroom in the mirror. (laughs) You're like, okay, 
I got this. I'm good. No more of that song. Even though if you've listened to it one or 10 or 20 times in the mirror and then you're okay. Then that for me, I was able to just carry on. Yeah. And I think everyone's process is different. Like you said, you're like, I don't want the clipboard. And I totally get that. Cause that's how I was too. Um, and it, that's why when I walked into the room, I just told the women, I'm like, I don't need you to say anything. <laughs> this is what's happening. And I'm going to leave <laughs> after oh we are complete. <laughs> and I mean, so I think it was like two or three, um, two or three things, but even that, like, I barely remember, um, that, but it was like, all of a sudden, like that third day I walked out of there and it's like the flashback stopped and it, yeah, very much like it was, you know, like I said, like I, I mean, there's some people who are really good listeners and then there's other people like, especially as women, we, we're probably better listeners than men, right? Like they're like fixers. They're like, let me solve this. And you're like, no, like, I just need you to listen. <laughs> exactly. Another thing that like, you're not ever prepared for is when someone passes in that process, like of going to the funeral home. And so I remember being kind of rude and that's not my nature, but they're like, can I get you a coffee or something? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to be here that long. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't you offer me a wine? Why are you offering me a coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Do I yes. look like I need a coffee right now? What are you trying to say? <laughs> <You're> long enough. <laughs> yeah. Or like when you have to pick them, like, cause my husband was cremated. So you got to pick them up and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to seatbelt him in the car? Or am I supposed to like put them on? What am I supposed to do with this? All these crazy little things that, you know, people don't often talk about or, you know, like when I have to pick the outfit because we had a small viewing and I'm like, well, do I need to bring underwear? Like, I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> all these, all these things that you don't think about. I know. And it's like one of those things that I think because they just do it, they don't even think to, you know, say to a person. And I think that's why it's so important for, you know, when you've gone through something to, educate others. And sometimes it can seem like an asshole thing to do, but it's like, Hey, this is what I needed from you. And you know, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And if you haven't gone through it or you haven't had to plan anything, then you don't know, even like getting the funeral bill. I'm like, what? I had to pay $150 for you to close his eyes. What? Like, it's just crazy. You just don't know these things and I and now I can look back and you know laugh about these things but at the time it was just one thing after another and that's what I mean you have to be able to get over that one thing to get on to the next thing because there's going to be every hour something for a a few weeks it seems like whether it's your kids whether it's your work whether it's dealing with the passing whether it's dealing with things at home whether it's dealing with the blue jobs Every job mm-hmm. becomes a purple job. There's no longer pink and purple. Like, you know, the I did the jobs, he did the jobs. I have to do all the jobs. Like, so mm-hmm. there's just so that's why I just preach resilience, you know, the ability to move on from one thing in a quick and timely manner so you can deal with the next thing. Like you said, you're not forgetting it, you're not discrediting it. You just have to be able to find that superpower within you 
so you don't go crazy or you don't end up doing the same thing. And blame yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't go down that road. (laughs) And so was there any signs for you that it was coming? Like, you know, it's funny you say that because when I'm working with um, people and kids with special needs and disabilities, I had to take a bunch of training in suicide. I did level three training. It was just part of the program. And, you know, you never really think anything about it. You role play, you do all the stuff. And I, I, looking back now, I might've picked on things, but in the moment, no, I didn't, I didn't even know my own husband was going to do that. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. And I mean, I think depression is so, so silent sometimes, you know, sometimes the happiest people are the ones who it's like, what? <laughs> Especially in men. Cause they are mm-hmm. very quiet about it. They don't talk about their feelings like as much as women do with their, you know, their, our ladies friends or group chats or however we communicate, right. Our Facebook posts on, and then we get all these responses and it engages us to talk and men just don't really do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a woman locally, um, she lost her husband. It was a couple or a few months ago. It was her fiance actually. And they were set to get married in a month. <sighs> And so I know just kind of knowing her from high school and I played soccer with her and seeing, seeing the process that she's going through. I mean, for yourself, it's like being able to speak to those women, being able to like, even, you know, coach those women. It's like not be a therapist or anything like that, but it's like the resilience of like, how do you get through it? Because a therapist doesn't know how to get through it. Right. Unless in my opinion, you don't, I feel like you have a good idea and you can provide tools, but if you haven't been through it, you're right. You haven't felt that emotion and you haven't felt that the anxiety that comes with it or the blaming or the failure that you feel all of the, you, I think, I swear to goodness, you feel every emotion it out there even, that you possibly could in a short time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know with the grief cycle too, it's not just, well, you go through anger and then you go through the next. It's like you like toggle through. It's like one day you're like, I'm through this. And then all of a sudden it's, you're like at step one again. And you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, Totally. I remember sometimes being so mad and I'm going through the house, throwing shit out. Throw, I'm throwing stuff away. I'm like, you know what? You did this. I can't believe you did this. You're mad. And there goes the shirt. There goes something and giving things away. And then, then you're like, Oh no, what did I just do? Why did I get rid of that? Like, so yeah, it's crazy that mm-hmm. it is crazy that way. Yeah. What, um, how did you really come out the other side? Cause when did it happen? I think it was a little while ago. Hey, five years ago. Yeah. And so how, like, when was the day, like, do you remember the day where it's like things kind of switched for you? Yeah. I remember being on, taking my kids on a vacation for a relative's wedding and it was probably three years had passed and I was like, okay, I could do this. I took my kids on a vacation by myself, like to Mexico. We went, everyone else has a spouse. I don't. Um, I'm okay. I didn't cry. I'm good. I just got that sense of like, okay, we can do this because it was the three of us. And I, I have a sign made that says always you, me, us three. I'm like, we got this. We can do it. We can move on. 
And that Mm -hmm. would have been my big aha moment for me. Yeah. And I think it's just allowing time sometimes. Time time does. And every year, every holiday gets easier. Our kids, my kids and I joke, oh, when can we just say that was so five years ago? When can we just say that? Because that was kind of in our family. We felt like that would be okay. So that's kind of where we're at. So we've done all the five-year holidays. Now we're Mm -hmm. on the sixth year and the seventh year. And so it feels okay. My, I noticed my girls are okay getting better, especially my oldest one. So mm-hmm. that, it, that makes me feel good. I mean, she's had a lot of first going to college, um, you know, all these kinds of things. And that's been really hard on her because her dad's not here. So when she gets that, I get sad, but then I just got to make sure to put my mom hat on my therapist mom hat on and then yeah, help her move mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know if we covered it already, but what would be the hardest thing for you through that whole experience? Um, The memories change, change is, was real. Everything, everything changed every holiday. Um, Selling things, selling, like we getting rid of my camper, getting rid of, cause it got old and it became too much for me to fix. And I didn't have a truck to pull it anymore because my husband always had a company truck Um, getting rid of, the skidoo, the brand new skidoo we bought. Well, I'm not going to take that to the mountains. So we're not going to have those fun garage days fixing on it, drinking beers, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, everything, no Sunday, work in the yard, cut the lawn. This Every small thing in our life changed. The only thing that we still have the same is the same house. But it's it's soon to be sold too, because now it's too big for like kids, the kids are moving out and going to college and I don't need this, even though it's a hub for us. And it's once we sell the house, it's like the final chapter, like it's, and that's hard. Like it's hard for all of us, but mm-hmm. it's um a natural progression. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we did everything else well and positive. I mean, not without tears, not without arguments, but I mean, we did it. We survived and we're here and everybody's happy and healthy. And so we're, we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I know before we jumped on, you mentioned, you know, the whole side of like the victimhood. Do you want to expand on that? So often with suicide, there's so much support and awareness around suicide prevention, like, like, everything's okay, let's help you with your mental health, we can get through this, there's so many people to talk to. And in fact, that's true, but our system is so screwed, screwed and behind and lagged. Um, My husband actually did go to try to get some help. And by the time we got the letter that said, sure, we, we have an intake for you, he had already passed. And um, so I feel like the only thing I have control over is me telling my story and and victims have the ability to say what it feels like to have lost a loved one to suicide. And hopefully that will impact and empower somebody that's feeling like that's the only option to have some awareness that it's not. Like our lives matter too. Like our... Mm-hmm wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, we matter too. And if you can't find comfort in the people in your social circle, 
find it somewhere else, but we matter too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, as you've come out the other side and that, um, how is that? I mean, I know you've talked about the change, but the change that you have done, like how has that expanded your life? Oh, I would say I have become my best self. And I don't mean that to say selfish, but there was no, to be honest, there's no choice when you have kids. There's no choice when you run a business. There's no choice when there's bills to pay. You know, there. I feel like for myself as a mom, there's there was no choice. I had to work harder. I remember fight or flight. I remember thinking how, because we didn't have a really big life insurance policy. My mortgage wasn't paid for. We didn't have that. So, and being a, a real estate agent, I'm commissioned. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta work harder. I have to feed these kids. I have to pay for the car, I have to pay for the mortgage. So that happened. I revamped my business, formed a team with my husband now and came out the other side in our business better than I could ever expect. And mentally, I think just not wanting to feel those feelings and not wanting to end up the way my first husband did, you know, dead, I really had to make sure my mental health was okay. And I was doing okay. So I, I ate healthier. I went to the gym because I was overweight. I got my body and my best self. Um, and now spreading my story, spreading my awareness to, to kids, even when uh, my friends, friends would kids, they would talk about suicide or, oh, somebody died. I found myself always talking to these kids about suicide and maybe just because it was so close to them and, and their social, social circle, they felt comfort in coming over here and being able to talk about it because we would talk about it. We, it's not ever something we hid or put a blanket over. We've always been very open. So I think that has made myself and my kids our best selves. Mm -hmm. And I think too, with like social media, it's become a lot more of a thing with kids now, um, you know, whether it be them seeing people around the world doing it and them thinking that it's an outlet, there's someone who maybe locally they don't have to talk to about doing those things. So they go and do it. Um, so I think it's really important to have those people that they can really trust. And the only way I think people can find those people that they trust to talk about that aren't therapists and that are people who have spoke out about it and been like, Hey, like I've been through this. Cause I think there's a lot of people who it's like, maybe you don't even know they've been through it. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I feel like your social media, your touch on that is that kids, people almost think that it's okay. It's socially acceptable to just off myself because they did it. She did it. He did it. And it's fine. And that's so awful. That's so not the case. I just, it, it's something that I don't know how we'll fight. I don't know how we'll battle it. And I don't know how we'll protect people against it. Other yeah. than just being a real raw voice, not a therapist, just a real person with a real story and real words to speak some are swears some tears some laughter you know I think that's going to be our most powerful tool for everybody that has the courage and the ability to get up there and talk to people mm -hmm. yeah I do I think I think when we become relatable um, I know even in the coaching industry you know for myself it's like you see these women who are wanting to coach people because they took a course on 
you know, and so it like piqued their interest for them to coach someone on. And it's like, but you've never been through it. So how are you going to coach someone on that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like other than listening to them and you could possibly give them some advice, but you know, when it comes to the emotions and the feelings, like you just, you can't, you can't relate to someone else's feelings. Mm-hmm. It's, you can sympathize with them, but you can't empathize. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't, you can empathize, but I can't sympathize or sorry, vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I'm just thinking of all the things you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so for yourself, like, how was it? What was it like moving on and like starting a new relationship? How was, how did that impact your family? Of course, right? Duh. (laughs) Kids. Like I remember, like I asked them if I could go on a date. Like I, but somebody once told me, they said, if you're, if you're not happy and healthy, no one's going to be happy and healthy in your house. So that resonated with me and it was really true because I can remember on my happiest days, how well the house would flow, how the kids energy was good. And on my darkest days, um, how that looked too. So I did understand what they were saying, but it was really hard. Um, like from saying, I love you or thinking I could leave my kids to go on a date when I thought I have to be with them for every, every minute of every day. Um, I remember one of my daughter's shortly after I wanted to go out on a date just for lunch, just to get out of the house and get away from the casserole dishes that have been delivered. And I'm like, Oh, well, what if somebody sees us out? What if they think we just moved on? Like that was a big thing. Um, even like how you function in a date. Cause I mean, I was like married 17 years and like from high school. And so that was different. And then you have to jump into the whole intimacy thing. So here you are have ha- having sex with the same person for all these years. And then you're like, oh my, oh, like, am I supposed to, can I turn these lights off? Like, do I look okay? I mean, people go through this all the time, but that's just, that's just part of, you know, the change. And then mm-hmm. when you introduce them to your kids and now we're a blended family and our parenting is different and my kids are afraid to you know, to have these feelings for this other person because, oh, am I cheating on my dad? And, you know, it's just, we're still in change and we mm-hmm. still are dealing with it, but on such a less, lesser scale, lesser volume of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, well, like, what are your thoughts like on, like, have you ever stud- like looked at the grief cycle? Of, like I'm sure with the suicide stuff, what would you say was, which part of the cycle was probably the most difficult to overcome? mad I was angry for a long time mm-hmm. and it, I think it was easier for me to feel anger than sad I didn't like that feeling I didn't like being over there and it was easier for me to feel angry so for me to get over that it was long because I was angry that he left left me I was angry that he left the kids and then every time the kids would be sad I would get angry or anytime I was wondering how I'm going to pay the mortgage I would be angry or something on the camper would break. I was mad or I had to get rid of the boat. I was mad. So there's a lot of anger because of all the change that came along with that, with that suicide. How did you overcome the anger? Day by day time just, and as time goes on, the 
your life fills with new memories. And so like I talked about the wave, like grab onto those. I grab onto those new memories and making new memories and holding on to them to get me through. Sure, we're not going camping and quadding and boating, but you know what? We're going to Mexico or we're going, you know, to BC on a road trip or we're doing whatever it is we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the same doesn't mean it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I like to say it's your life shatters into pieces and you can take it as, you know, we can sit in it or start putting those pieces back together the way that we want it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one thing that was kind of funny with changes, um, our house, like we didn't really have pictures on the walls and because my husband would always say, how many holes do you need to put in the wall? Like, no, you're not hanging things up and <clears throat> throw pillows on the couch. I remember one day the kids and I were like, you know what? We're going shopping. And we like bought so much stuff and we're like, we don't even have to ask dad. And we got throw pillows and pictures for the walls. And so that was a, a fun moment for us in, you know, a, a dark time. Mm-hmm. And we still talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's one of the things too, is being able to hold on to those moments of laughter, right? Because I mean, there's going to be people who judge you because they think you moved on too quickly or, you know, it doesn't matter. You are never going to get, in my opinion, over someone's going to judge you based on you not doing it the way that they would. It's like, yeah, well, I'm going to swear, but you can go fuck off. (laughs) No, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's hard or the way I dealt with it. I, you know, for a long time I was at home and I thought I wanted to stay at home, but then I got into the shop. I was, um, my, I was drinking a lot of wine. Someone was always over here or I was shopping or something like that. I got to the point where I didn't want to be here anymore. I was like, I got to get up, get out the door. Like the kids got to be busy. We got to be doing things. And that wasn't probably healthy either. But it was just one extreme to another in order to find a happy medium, mm-hmm. whatever that was, whatever that was going to look like. I didn't know at the time. You're basically just kind of on autopilot. Yeah. And do you think everyone just like needs to be given permission that like they get to have their own process? Yeah. Validation, I think. Like, yeah, it's okay that you're doing that. It's okay. Instead of always, like you said, being judged or criticized or given advice. If I want advice, I'm going to, I would ask for it. Right. And I would ask somebody that's gone through it, but I would look for validation to the people that I cared most about. So, Mm -hmm. or in those dark moments, I would, your people wouldn't, my people would know because I wouldn't be on the phone or I wouldn't be out and about, or I wouldn't be answering them and they would show up and they would know, okay, this is not a good day. This is a bad day for her. And I would need that. I would need somebody to say, get out of bed. You're fine. Come on, come downstairs and let's have a drink, a drink of wine or a beer, or let's go outside or something. And to be honest, it was a lot of, let's have a glass of wine because it, mm-hmm. it was, it was like calming. I wouldn't say like I didn't develop a drinking problem, but it was definitely a way to calm all of the emotions that were going on. Mm-hmm. Times too much wine, definitely 
it made them all rear their ugly head. So <laughs> I look back on pictures with friends and I could just tell it was, it was a crying night or, you know, but. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everyone needs a crying night. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> and so how has that like created, you know, we've talked about, you know, that coaching of resilience and that, um, how has that transformed for you, for you to make that decision? Like I want to help other people with resilience. I want to teach people how to release that superpower within them. Everyone has the ability to be resilient. We're just born that way. It's whether you choose to bury it or you choose to let it come out and shine. And what's I want to show what's the choice. If you're not resilient, you're in this state of hopelessness, depression, uh, unable to move on move forward in relationships, work, parenting. I mean, this can happen even like you're a new mom. You you have to be resilient right from the moment you're pregnant. So it's in us all to be that way. And I want people to see that you can go from way down here, this dark place to your best self with small changes, small courses of action that you might not even know you're doing. You just have to be resilient and allow yourself the power of positive choice, whether that's going to get a your haircut and go for that job interview, whether it's going to get your eyelashes done because you feel like a million bucks and you're going to go out of the house that day. It's just small, simple things that eventually lead up to an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, with the resilience and that how do you think that really shone, like shone through for you? Because I had to move on from my own feelings and emotions and to pick myself up, dust myself off, be a parent, be a mom, get back to work, all the while dealing with all of those things. I, I didn't allow myself to stay there and wallow in that. I allowed my, my, um, I allowed the time to go through the waves and I allowed myself and I allowed myself to feel the the emotions, but I didn't allow myself to stay there. And for me, that is what resilience is. Experiencing it, feeling it, taking a course of action and moving on from it. Mm -hmm. What would be like your number one, um, advice that you would give to someone who has been through that? Oh, I would say, first of all, don't blame yourself. Don't go down that road. It's not your fault. And you couldn't prevent it. And then just let go of the shit. Just let it go. You have to let it go so you can move on. Letting Mm -hmm. go doesn't mean forgetting. Mm -hmm. Letting go doesn't mean, um, like I said before, discrediting, discrediting things. It just means giving yourself that space, that headspace to carry on one foot ahead of the next. Mm-hmm. And what about like the me- moving on piece? Cause I know some people when they're in the shit and they're in the storm, it's like, you know, I feel like there are those people out there who will just be like, Hey, yeah, like you just need to move on now. And it's like, excuse me. <laughs> like I'm over here dealing with like my shit. Like, how how do you speak to someone and like encourage them to 
like go through that process of moving on without being a total asshole? Sometimes I am a total asshole when I talk. Because <laughs> I'm like, fine, like, fine, like, come on. But no, I, lots of times when I talk to people, I know them. But if I don't know them, then I'm like, well, what makes you happy? What, what gets you going? What fuels your fire? Like, is it, like I say lashes, like, go get your lashes done. Go get your hair done. Like, go for that walk. Get back to the gym. Go to the grocery store. T- stop clicking, collecting. You know, these little tiny things that was a sense of their normal before the shit you know Mm -hmm. if our body and our mind can have those triggers those positive normal as I whatever normal that is then our mind does a shift I feel in my only personal experience like oh I remember all that stuff I remember what that felt like I remember what that looked like I remember what that tasted like and then the more we do those little things the more we want it so that would be my advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like you're saying, like making that shift and like looking back and moving, like moving forward with the things that you remember being your normal and that. Um, how did you, how, like, I know you've mentioned a few things, but what are things that you've done to, respect his memory, but still allow yourself to move forward so that you didn't feel that sense of guilt. Cause I know I asked you and you said anger, but I think for a lot of people, there is that underlying guilt of doing anything when it comes to moving forward. So today, for instance, I said it was his birthday is his birthday. So, and since I'm married and I, you know, I did, I, I did a post today for my kids and my kids honor for, and it spoke about happy heavenly birthday. Now your only job is to look after your girls. So that was a thing um, because I didn't want to post this post about, oh, how I love you so much and I miss you. And and because I've, I've moved on, like I have a new husband that I love and adore. And, you know, so there was that, there's that fine line, I think. Another big thing was taking the ashes off the mantle and putting them away. Um, we still, we still have them. We still will bring them out sometimes, you know, when people are over and we're having beers and stuff, I know it's kind of creepy, but sometimes we do. It's not like we're putting our hands in it or anything, but, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we joke. I'm like, Oh, I'm so mad at your dad. Like his memories come up. I'm like, you're taking them home tonight. You know, like <laughs> things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, pardon me. I used to have a big shrine as well. And one day my sister came home and she's like, you need to take that down. I'm like, you're probably right. <laughs> um, And so, you know, is there things, did you ever ask yourself the question of what, um, how do I phrase it? You know, like, what would he want you to do in those situations? Um, you know, mm-hmm. like, would he like asking yourself the question of like, well, what, what would he want me to do right now? Like, would he want me to move on? Like, would he tell me like, Hey, it's time. Like I'm gone. It's time to go out and start dating. Like, did you ever have those moments where you kind of had to tap into speaking to him? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I think in like when holidays come around and important things come around when I got married he comes around. (laughs) It's so weird. So I don't even have to really ask those things. They're, 
it's he's just around. I don't think mm-hmm. he's ever left yet because I don't think he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I think with people who do commit suicide, there's a lot of guilt there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do live, believe in the afterlife and spirits and that kind of thing. Um, so for me, it, it is one of those things that I'm like, I, I think there's a lot of guilt with people who make those decisions. I do too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, as you've come out the other side and, you know, you're, um, you're married now and all of that, I mean, like, I mean, that gets to be exciting, right? Starting and creating those new memories and you all really of that. You really learn how valuable time is. You really learn, you know, don't waste it. Memories are important. Like, make memories, like, wherever you can, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, some people may have thought maybe I moved fast or I got married too quickly. I, I don't really think in my, like, I know in my my um circle of family and friends none nobody thinks that but outsiders might but like why would you wait why tomorrow's not promised Mm -hmm. or guaranteed so you just live in the moment do what your heart feels and you know I I am very happy now but I had to allow myself to be happy Mm -hmm. so allow yourself to open up to feel that and I do think happiness is a choice Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I like I don't think you just like wave a magic wand and it's like boom, happy. <laughs> like, oh, little nice. Cinderella, like boop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I, I really think that, you know, sometimes happiness is work, you know, and some people aren't willing to put in the work. And it is just waking up each day and it's like, you know, when I, I talk a lot about energetics and that. And to me, one of the things I always like to say to my clients is, you know, what works for one doesn't work for all, mm-hmm. right? Like whatever is going to raise your vibration, make you feel better, whatever it is, it's like understanding that, yes, this works for this person, but why? Like, what does it do for them? Whether it's like someone who's into meditation, someone who's, you know, into just looking at themselves in the mirror and being like, you're enough today, yeah. <laughs> you know? and so I you know and and like I said like what works for one doesn't work for all so you know even for yourself I mean I know you mentioned the crying in the mirror and that but what are what are things that you do for yourself to really raise that vibration to bring yourself up to that happiness yeah well I love I'm a lover I'm a hopeless romantic And so being in love and having those feelings and having this partner, that really helps me. That really fills my cup. My kids, making memory, new memories with my kids, because I've acknowledged that we can't live in the past. That also gets me through. Um, Being my best self, that's really, in the last year, has really, I also turned 40, so that might have been a pivoting point. So that really is what it is for me now being my best best self making memories and living my best life with my husband my my like love that I can because it is like having a second chance mm-hmm. and that's what life is all about whether you've decided it or not or the universe decided it you have a choice to embrace it 
or not. I think that's so beautiful because, you know, I think a lot of people coast through life and um, you wake up one day and you're like, you know, holy shit. Like I, like, I mean, especially, you know, as we get older, we have those moments that it's like, I can't do that anymore. Like that, that hurts my body. And I remember hearing other people say that. And I was just like, that won't be me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Hangovers hurt my body now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we go through those things where we all of a sudden realize like time isn't, time is a gift. And, you know, I always say to my clients too, I'm like, Hey, like, let's imagine you're on the porch at 80, 90 years old. Like, what does that look like to you? And are you actually moving towards, like, do you like what you see on the porch? And if you don't, can we change it? If there's something that you like have a dream of being there, like, are you actually moving towards that? Or like, what do we need to change, let go and move forward with to really make sure. And I mean, a lot of people that I find it's there, it's the fears of like really dipping that toe in. Like, I can't even imagine the fears that you would have faced of moving. Like, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, but like that moving forward of the fears around, um, I know you mentioned with your daughter, like letting, like that, letting, like losing the memories. Yeah. Yeah. And my biggest fear right now is when I sell the house, like there's that chapter there's even, it makes me sad now, but it's not something I just thought about. So I'm always mulling it, but it still doesn't make it any easier until you actually do it. So Mm -hmm. I sometimes joke, Oh, I'm just gonna, and I'm a real estate agent. I'm like, I just need to just hire another realtor and leave and not do it. But then that's not dealing with it. You know, that's just like sweeping it under the rug, but Mm-hmm. So no matter, no matter what, there's always going to be things to deal with, I think. And I think that also gives you so much like, ha- well, I guess it's a question. Has that given you a better level of understanding for those who are selling a home, you know, when after someone's like passed away and how to navigate through that? Your home is your box of memories, right? Every corner every scuff on the wall, every, you know, you know, broken fence board, it's all a memory. So it's not that you're just selling your house. You're leaving your home. You're leaving your, your, your movie. Basically, you're not pushing rewind to sitting at your kitchen counter anymore. You're doing it somewhere else. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know for myself, like it's sometimes, you yeah you're leaving a home and it's like you're leaving that behind but I remember for myself it like I mean mine was not someone passing away but like going through a breakup kind of thing um and leaving our home and it's like you go into that new life and you're like I had to choose excitement you know like I said with putting those pieces back together like I had to choose the excitement of getting to do something new and that I get got to create an exciting new life versus hanging out in the past and being like, oh, I miss this and I miss this. And those things, of course, come up, but I mean, it's not something I want to live in, you know? Good for you. That's a hard yeah. choice. 
<laughs> and that's like not everyone can make it make it some people just stay so that's huge mm-hmm. yeah and so with your public speaking in that how has that kind of like at what point did you decide like I'm I'm going to public speak on this and start to create awareness around it. Um, I always try to find good in every situation. That's just my personality. And so I, like, I looked at this and I always wanted to, to talk about it, but I didn't want to do suicide awareness. Cause I just, there's so much money, time and energy spent on that. And then as my kids were going through high school and middle school, and there was more and more suicide and more and more talks of it. I thought I need to be up there in that school of these teenage kids and tell them life is not that freaking bad, like enough, like enough or these kids, it, it really said from teaching kids to be resilient. Like you, you can go to gym class just because you have a cough. You're fine. Like just little things like this, like how us helicopter parents, like me included, what we've done to our kids. So I feel like this was my job. My job as a parent, my job as losing time to suicide, I need to give it back. I need to, I really want to preach. And here I am getting louder and louder. Life is not (laughs) that, it's not that freaking bad. Make one positive choice and you'll see all these little things that trickle down. So then it rolled into, okay, what about kids that go to college? What's the suicide rate look like that? They leave the home. They're expected to do all these great things when really they're probably drunk at college, failing the first year, spent all their student loan money, you know, like these normal college things. Or what about the middle-aged man that works away and then loses his job and comes home and feels like a guest in his own home, making no money? How does that look and feel? So then I'm like, I want to go talk to these oil field companies. My husband was in the oil field. And talk about that. Don't lose your disconnect. Like don't get disconnected from your family just because you're away. It's not that bad. It's a short stint for a big reward. This is what you've chose. This is the job that you've chose. It's the job you're staying at. So that's where it all came from. It's just my duty to give back and hopefully shed some light and all this craziness in the world and this darkness that sometimes comes over us and it comes over all of us. And some of us have the ability to like get through it and some of us are stuck and I think sometimes you just need that one person to say listen we can do this like get rid of your shit let's do this it's not that bad so (laughs) that's what I hope to do well and it is like I mean you know growing up it's like we were told rub dirt in it right yeah Yeah. exactly and now no and now all of a sudden it's like Oh, like they have a cough, they have to stay home and yeah, all these things. And I mean, I'm, you know, not for any of that. I'm just like, can we not? And I mean kid that doesn't have those fancy boots at school, like in your grade two and other grade three is picking on you. Like it's just so terrible out there now. And we just I just need to have some goodness spread out there. And like, and whether you're ta- whether I'm talking to kids in middle school to adults it doesn't matter the message is the same Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and I mean because even the bullying and that kind of thing and I don't like to throw the term bullying out there because I think everyone and their dog like tries to use that as an excuse now for why like they've had a bad day well someone so bullied me it's like okay but like I mean let's not overdo it now (laughs) but I think 
it's gotten, I think it's become worse um, in, you know, the way people treat others. And I think because so many people are desensitized, right? And, you know, from at like, especially kids becoming desensitized to it, and now they get older. And sometimes I find the adults are sometimes the most vicious, and then it's trickling down because of that. And who's even a bully to someone's face nowadays? It's all by text message or Snapchat. Back in our day, in my day, if you were going to mean to somebody, it was to their face. <laughs> you know, but now they're all these big cats because they just do it behind their cell phone. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember a time in my kid's school that it was face to face. Well, I know even for myself, I'm like, if you're going to hear that I said something about you, you've already heard me say it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because I'm one of those people that it's like, I do like, I am not fake. I do not play pretend. Um, I'm raw and real like that, maybe sometimes to a fault. But (laughs) you know, it's, it is, it's like, I think sometimes, you know, even when you were saying like, okay, like, (laughs) move on, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, you know, we have to say it, I mean, yeah, with love, but at the same time, I mean, we still can't lose ourselves in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. My kids always joke. I always say to them and always have said, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It wouldn't matter what it was, like a scrape or they're like, you lose your dad. You're fine. We're going to be fine. Like, let's go. (laughs) Not that crazy, but that's how they felt sometimes. And now they make fun of me. And I think that's one of the things that I think we have to acknowledge is that every human um, gets to be their own special individual themselves instead of trying to change everyone out there. Yeah, it's good to like bring awareness to someone else and be like, hey, like you said this and this bothered me. But if you aren't able to bring that awareness and instead you're going to go talk talk shit about someone, yeah. right? And judge them based on the way their process of dealing with something is. I think that's a huge, I think that's a huge problem right. with the world. Me too. You know, and especially when like, you know, we were saying like with that judgment piece. So I think it's really powerful that, you know, for yourself, you are really speaking to that resilience in people. And so what is that thing that you do? I mean, beyond just saying to people, you're fine. (laughs) What is that thing, you know, um, speaking to others and calling out that inner power? What is that thing that like, you know, like that switch that you try and flip in people? I, I say, get rid of your shit. It's just that easy. Just like something's bringing down, weighing you down, preventing you from something. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Like, so I put it like, imagine you're packing up your house because I'm a realtor. That moving truck, that trailer, load it up and just get rid of it. (laughs) And so um, do you have any like tips for people in how to even get start to get rid of it? Like I mentioned, think of the things that made you happy prior to whatever it is you're going through. Uh, simple memory what it looks like what it feels like what it tastes like for some people it's cooking some people it's baking some people it's exercise some people it's shopping gardening a coffee with a friend whatever that is like just write it down 
look at it every day and and look at the small picture one thing at a time don't look at the big picture of the chaos you're in the shit storm you're in because let me tell you you can't solve it in one day but you definitely can act on one piece of the puzzle one part of the puzzle in order to get it all done Mm -hmm. yeah and so if someone wanted to work with you you know um through coaching or have you come in and speak? Um, how how can they get in touch with you? They can go onto my Facebook page. I have uh, Shalane Walls on Facebook. I have the Walls Real Estate Group on Twitter and Facebook. And I also have Shalane Oliver at gmail.com, which is S-H-E-L-A-I-N-E-O-L-I-V-E-R at gmail.com. That's awesome. You can look well, at me you- on Google too. that's awesome thank you so much for being on the show it's been amazing having you here and just I think shedding light on you know suicide and really the people that we leave behind the effects that it has but um, you know I think bringing awareness to it and actually telling the story of what it does um, is really really eye-opening so thank you having me Yes. For all hard questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for everyone listening out there, make sure you go out there and you make life your bitch. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Make Life Your Bitch podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with your bestie. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, feedback, or compliments that you want to throw like confetti, you can reach me directly at podcast at makelifeyourbitch.co. Thanks for listening.